And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Hello and welcome to the 3-0 Show. I'm Bridget Rowley here with Eno Sheriff. Jared Riper, still on maternity leave, will be joining us at some point, I think, later this month. Is that right? No, like uh, maybe next week, I think. I mean, he's already on Yay. Slack, so I think his, his, his return is near. His return is imminent. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we tape this on Thursday, October 12th, we have lots of stuff locked up. We know who's playing in the ALCS. We know one half of the NLCS. And we have one series still going a series that I thought, you know, you know, between the Phillies and the Braves, it was kind of a shame this was only going to be a five-gamer. Yeah, because, it's been really you know, fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun. These two teams don't like each other. Yeah. There's been plenty of drama. And I think it's unfortunate that it's not the NLCS that we're only going to get, you know, we could only get four games. The Braves are, are going to be playing for their collective lives. Um, but one thing that the Braves did that maybe wasn't the smartest is they angered Bryce Harper, right? And that's all everyone is talking about this morning uh, is that they angered Bryce Harper. So for those of you who have kind of been living under a rock, uh, I'll kind of take you through it. So what happened is after game two, um, Brave shortstop Orlando Arcia basically said, boy, Harper, like boy, Harper, a couple times overheard in the clubhouse this was in reference to the ridiculous double play that ended that game. Michael Harris Jr. making an awesome grab against the wall, then throwing and doubling up Harper, who was on first and had gotten midway, basically midway between second and third. Uh, the, the throw missed the cutoff man, and like it was just like a wild play. Uh, but had Harper not been running quite so hard, had he not been quite that far, he wouldn't have been doubled off. So that is what the comment was about. Now, before the game, Phillies manager Rob Thompson said, you know, Bryce doesn't really need any motivation, but if it's going to help him even more, then thank you. And then, of course, Harper answers, as we all knew he would. He seems to be, as we've talked about before, you can't define clutch. It's really hard to define it. But whatever it is, Bryce Harper has it, right? Mm -hmm. So he hits a home run in the game, and he just stares down Arcia the whole time. Um, So it was just... It was very interesting. Also, before the game, him, Harper, and Nick Castellones are wearing Deion Sanders' prime stuff, which also <laughs> seemed like a low-key troll job too, right? Uh, you know, like playoffs? You want to talk playoffs? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, then Harper homers again. Same spiel. The Phillies win this game at a, at a blowout. It was Does never the really throat close. slash gesture. Yeah, but it brings up, then, of course, they ask some of the Braves guys about this Travis Dionad said, "Well, the clubhouse is sacred, and this ruins it for the, some of the media. And you know, I've got a lot of thoughts that I want to unpack on this. I want to start on what your reaction is 
to the fact that this thing that was said in the clubhouse and that was overheard, it seems like it wasn't a direct quote, it was overheard, was used. Yeah, uh, as director of Nuance or, or King of Waffles, uh, I'm going to say that, uh, unfortunately, I think this is a gray area. I do not blame either side. I do not blame the reporter for reporting it. I do not blame the player for being mad about it because... You know, usually when you're inter interviewing a player, it's a lot easier to establish ground rules. Uh, you make something on the record uh, and you kind of either gesture to your your phone that's recording it or you say something like you willing to you willing to stand by this or put your name on this. You know, I've, there's all sorts of different ways to confirm that you are getting something on the record. And, you know, you, you do that as often as you can, especially if it's something that's it's pretty spicy, you know. Um, and then there are times when they're talking to you on background, which means that you can use it, but not with their name on it. Um, and then there's off the record where you like fully off the record where you can't just use, use it at all. And so there are these like three tiers and there's different rules about it. But it's a lot easier when you're talking to the player to establish which one of those it is. Um, and then there's, oh, I just overheard this in the clubhouse. And so I, you remember the whole Tommy Pham, uh, Jock Peterson slap situation, right? Sure. Uh, I overheard some stuff in the clubhouse uh, that was related to that. And we were, at, you know, collecting resources as an organization, as, as, as journalists. And I didn't end up writing the piece. Um, what I did do was add the information to what we knew about the situation, but ask them not to use the quote directed at you by the player. You know what I'm saying? So I used it on that on background level, which is means that I, it's something that was said in the clubhouse by a player, but I'm not going to tell you who the player was because I did not have that direct interaction with the player where we could establish the ground rules, but it was said in public, you know? So that's how I've navigated this personally. Um, but that also wasn't a playoff situation. It was just a regular old clubhouse where maybe you want to be a little bit more careful because you're going to be in there a lot. And it's the same clubhouse and it's not playoff hubbub everything. So I just wanted to add that like I have navigated this. I think most reporters have navigated this. Some will navigate it differently than others. And that's why I say it's a gray area and it's hard for me to get mad at any one actor in this situation. Yeah, so... <sighs> I spent 11 years on a beat. So yeah. I feel like, you know, that's did a I different experience than things? mine, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. Did I see and hear things that I didn't report? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, did, but when it get a couple thoughts here that I think make this much more of a gray area than a regular game, one, you've got the playoffs. So the pressure to get different new stuff is at an all time high. Uh, you know, during the season, so for those who aren't aware, people. you get a, you get a ton of time pregame in the in the clubhouse. Um, if you're a beat person, you have those relationships with guys. You're able to get different things. In the postseason, we're not allowed in there before the games, only after the games. So the only snippets you have are what you see and hear after the game, and you are trying to get something just a fraction different than what 50, 70, <laughs> sometimes a hundred yeah. of the World Series people have. So that. You overhear that, and that's a huge play. That's the play that ended the game. You hear that, and you're like, man, that's great color. Should he have used Arcia's name? Maybe not. Maybe he should have double-checked and said, hey, I'm going to use this. Do you want your name, or can I just say a Braves player? 
Would it still have made Harper mad? Yes. Would we have mm. had all this controversy surrounding Arcia? Probably not, right? And would it, yeah, uh, it wouldn't have been as specific to a, yeah, to We Arcea, wouldn't yeah. know who said it. Um, so that would be a little bit different. Now, I do also totally disagree with what, with the comments that like, well, the, the, the clubhouse is our sanctuary because there are times we are allowed in there. You know, I covered the division series with Texas and Baltimore. When we walked into the clubhouse, all these guys were sitting in their chairs looking like totally, you know, slack jawed, like out to lunch, like stunned because the Orioles had been swept. There, a bunch of them had Coronas in their hands. Did I, I use that detail? Absolutely. Did I ask to use that detail? No, I didn't because they knew we were going to be in there at that time. If they, they wanted have it not to be been private, yeah. they could have not been drinking Coronas and like laughing or joking around, right? Like the part of our job besides just running quotes is to give you a feel of what's going on in there. Yeah. And sometimes TV cameras can only do so much. Part of my job, part of your job is to be the eyes and ears of what goes on in there to give you more than just the quotes. Otherwise, a trained monkey could do our job so you, you have to don't say that, that, that that'll be the yeah, pull quote like you have to, <laughs> right like you have to be able to and i've done this a lot like describe what a guy's wearing uh after the game if it's something right. unique. describe his mannerisms after the game i don't ask to use that stuff but it has been it, it, it's it's pretty much an unspoken agreement. We are in there after the game. You want to yell at a boy Harper. You have 10 minutes before we're in there. Yell at a boy Harper as many times as you want. You want to yeah, keep it a secret. That's, talk that's softer. What, Wait till we leave. Like that, I don't yeah. see how this route, like the clubhouse is a sanctuary. Sure. We are in their space when we are in there. I think people forget that. That's and what's that is so absolutely awkward. A fact. That's the, that's the that fundamental awkward part of it. You know, that's, we are, we are in their in space, space for, but we are allowed in for there. a certain amount. We are allowed in there, but it is their space. (laughs) For a certain amount of the day, we are allowed in there. And, you know, that time has gotten cut and cut and cut and cut. Now we are only in there for maybe 50 minutes when we're allowed in there pregame. Postgame, people don't stick around very long. Maybe 30 minutes in there. That seems like a long time. Maybe 30 And it's usually just the players that were most important in the game. A lot of the, the peripheral players are just out of there. Like, you don't see them, you know? So if you really wanted it quiet, you should have either spoken at a quieter tone, waited till before or after the media were in there, or just, you know, yeah, you texted it or said it on the bus. Yelling it out. So, <laughs> you can't be like yelling it out with a bunch of reporters around and be like, oh, well, I'm surprised someone wrote about that. <laughs> like, like, oh, no, dude. If you're going to, like a few years ago, the Astros got a... Uh, Roberto Asuna. Remember this? They got Robert Asuna. And the and the and, and the executive deal. is and, yelling something across the across yeah. yeah. And of course they're gonna Go report on tell that. The story. No, I'm sorry, so, were you there? Yes. So it was yeah. a huge story because he was yelling at female reporters, I'm so glad we got Asuna, who obviously had been in trouble for domestic violence. Now that got written and the Astros denied it, and people later on were like, yeah, that was real. So Jim Crane had to apologize to Steph Epstein of Sports Illustrated, who wrote it. But nobody was like, hey, I'm going to go. Nobody had to double check about writing that because he wanted to be heard. He said it when the media were around. Now, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Arcia wasn't aware of how it works, but this isn't some game in May where there's two beat guys, and you're like, hey, guys, can you keep that off the record? It's He's my understanding he didn't even – Right, he didn't even say – like to the, you know, he didn't even say off the record, Harper at a boy, right? Like he yeah, didn't right. even make it seem like he didn't want it out there. So I have a bunch of issues with that. I do think every year the job gets tougher and tougher to do because every year the trust between the player 
and the media, the wall goes up a little bit more. My first year in clubhouses was 2008. And from 2008 to 2023, I'm dating myself a little here, but it is that the level goes up every year. Every year it gets a little bit harder to do your job and guys get a little bit more hesitant to talk to you. And stuff like this certainly doesn't help us, but I, I I really struggle to see how that is on the media, which is such a convenient scapegoat every single time that's on the media. When you said it, you didn't say on the record, you said it in, in the 30 or so minutes that the media was in there and you said it loud enough for people to report and the report says you said it several times. So yeah. I'm sorry, maybe this isn't as gray area as I thought it was. Uh, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's no, not. but it, I think it I, can be. It can be because a, it's their space, and we, but we are, we are allowed in it. And then b, there seem to be slightly different rules between playoffs and regular season, where both of us during in a regular season moment have seen things like this and have opted not to uh, necessarily attach someone's name to it. And I think that's partially because a lot of the regular season is about relationship building and trust building, um, and so you, you know, it has to be something. Uh, super important for you to kind of uh, attach a name to it, but the, but that 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 sort of calculus is a little bit different in the postseason. So um, I agree. I, I hate covering the postseason. Actually, it's uh, it's uh, really sharp elbowed, and uh, everyone's yes. looking for the tiniest quotes, and um, it's uh, it's really difficult. I hate press conference uh, questions. I hate scrum questions. So. Uh, you know, one of my favorite times to cover baseball is spring training. You know, it's like, you know, everyone's relaxed. The only problem is it's like seven thirty in the morning. But uh, you know, yeah, no, no one's in a bad mood, even if they're they've been bad because everyone's hopeful. Counts. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. But it's you know, to me, there's a lot of layers to this, and um, the only way I would think like maybe you shouldn't have read that at all is if the reporter was literally standing next to Arcia and, and like not, o- not only overheard something loud, but more eavesdropped. Right. Then to me, that's like a no go, no fly scenario. Um, that would be the only detail that would kind of make me change my mind. Right. If he was like in a scrum next to Arcia, who's sitting in his chair, talking to Acuna, let's say, and says like at a boy Harper at a normal tone. Right. Like um, to somebody else. But if yeah. he's, Right. But the way it's written, it's written as if he said it loudly. He said mm-hmm. it several times um, and he wanted it to be heard by guys, but not necessarily heard Reported by Harper, on. in which case you just wait. You just wait till we're out of there because there's too many guys in there. And there's like these aren't just the beat guys. There's too many people in there that right. are going to run with it. A hot mic could have picked it up. Right. Like you just they, to me, there's this is mostly mostly on Arcia. Harper Harper's amazing though. One of the things that's cool about Harper, I think, is just um how he plays to the moment. I, I think uh you know, this is part of the discussion of clutch and uh Jason Stark has a great, great piece about him today and, and some of the quotes are just about how he seems to rise to the moment and that this and that. But part of that is this sort of Vegas showman <laughs> aspect to him that I feel like. Like he's he, he like it's not acting, it's um you know, he likes he likes the he likes the entertainment aspect of baseball. You know what I mean? The throat slashing, the stare downs, the the way he even like comes to the plate. Like he even his shoot. You, you know what I mean? Like he 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 uh, he enjoys that this is an entertainment business. I think he understands that, and he really feeds off you know the the the, the heightened state of attention that you get in the playoffs. Um, the his postseason numbers actually, I think, mirror his Hall of Fame situation, which is to say that I don't think he's 
necessarily if he if his career ended today, I don't think he's necessarily in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, but he's definitely, obviously, on a trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame, and he's not necessarily the best postseason player of all time but he could definitely get there i mean like if you look at uh wrc plus which is just park adjusted offense it's like ops plus um and and you limit it to the people who had 100 plate appearances uh he's seventh and he's behind some people who are amazing postseason performers arosa reina is number one (laughs) uh lenny dykstra babe ruth lou gehrig paul molitor george brett and then bryce harper so uh those are all greats uh but in terms of like sort of counting stats it's kind of funny Manny Ramirez has 29 postseason home runs. It's just yeah, he gets some really good, really good playoffs. People forget yeah. about that. And and then there's Jose Altuve with 24, uh, and he's still going. Bernie with 22, Derek Jeter with 20, and uh, Harper with 14. But you could see how you know two or three more great regular seasons and two or three more great postseasons, and he ends up in the top five for homers all time, the top five for WRC plus all time, and definitely one of the most clutch performers ever. He'll have, uh, I would guess, uh, multiple rings, uh, multiple MVPs. Uh, that's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he's he's on the trajectory. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's he's quite there yet. Um, like Mike Trout, if his if it's it's easy to see if his career was over today, that's easier to see. Uh, it's also easier to see that he'd already be in the Hall of Fame himself. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but Derek Jeter and Altuve have a lot more games played than Harper in the playoffs, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so Derek Jeter that factors in too. Derek Jeter leads all of the playoffs with 158 games in the playoffs. Basically, played a whole season. 734 in the playoffs. plate appearances in the playoffs. Right. It's remarkable. That's basically an entire season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So less, Harper's really, not guys even don't close really play to that 158 yet. anymore. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So that, I think we're just starting to see the beginning of Harper and the Phillies in the playoffs. And you picked them, you know, now they're on the precipice here of advancing to the next round. Um, you know, it's been a week, so we've been able to watch a bunch of their games. And, you know, I continue to be impressed with the way Rob Thompson manages and also with the the pitching that they've gotten from Nola and Wheeler. I think not enough people, uh, people who didn't think they were going to go far weren't sure. You know, it really hinged on those two guys pitching well. Um, and those two guys have, have been extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the thing that I was uh, that I was talking about was uh, mostly the uh, the bullpen. Um, yeah. And uh, what we're seeing, I think, you know, the Phillies have the best staff ERA in this postseason, a 1-6-4 ERA. Uh, pretty amazing. 
Uh, and then the 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 bullpen uh, has a one eight four ERA. That's the uh, I mean it's the best in 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 the in the, in the postseason. I mean Toronto had a one, but you know fewer games, and um, I guess it's right there with Arizona. So um, just a really really good bullpen, and and so it it shows in something like tonight's game where you've got Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez. That's like on paper very much uh, tilted towards the Braves. And in yeah. fact, I, I do think the, the Braves will win tonight and, and give us a game five, which I'm excited about. Um, but uh, there's a little bit of an asterisk there, which is like, this is Ranger Suarez for two. <laughs> and then they've got seven guys yes. who throw 98. So, you know, yeah. it's going to be like game a, one. This is yeah. exactly what they this is exactly what they did. Right. They just and they won that one, the high so. below. Yeah. yeah, they stole that one. So can yeah. they steal another, you know? Um, totally, totally possible. Me. But I, I'm a big uh, Strider stand, so I think I think they'll they'll, uh, they'll win tonight. Uh, um, and you and you saw that, like, you know, give this offense, this Braves offense, enough chances, they are going to score runs. So it's not you can't keep them down forever. Um, and so, you know, they got Acuna on base late in the game last night, and I was like, and then Albies was next. And I was like, they were like talking about, oh, you know. The, you know, the Phillies want to double play here, and I'm like, "There's no, like, there's no way you're gonna double play these guys. You're not, you're not gonna double up yeah. Acuna and Albies. It's like there's just no way no. that's gonna happen. Acuna's gonna be Maybe halfway a line to second. Drive? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It would have to be like some sort of freak line drive to the first base and while he's standing on the bag kind of deal. So yeah, um, totally. yeah. So there's this. It's 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 fast. It's powerful. They're all different. So um, I think this is gonna be an exciting game tonight. It's been yeah, a really Luke, good I'm not series. covering this series, so I'm hoping for a five. The games you cover, <laughs> yeah, right. you, always, you always want those sweeps so you can have a couple of days at home. Uh, uh, but again, I think it's We've had um, too much of those. Sad. We've yeah, had too much of those. It's been nice. Uh, I think it's sad <laughs> that uh, we're not getting seven out of this. Um, yeah, yeah, we yeah. have had a lot of sweeps, which, you know, I don't know if that says anything because the playoffs are so random. And I've seen we've seen this time and time again, and I don't even know why I bother picking – playoffs anymore because it feels like every every year you're like well who do you think is going to win well it's never the best team that wins it's the team that has gotten the hottest so Mm. you know like does it surprise me at all like what you're seeing with arizona no like why would it surprise you uh texas no why would it surprise you these teams came in with their backs against the wall these teams came in as wild card teams and they have all the momentum in the world now so you know i think if one of these teams goes on and loses a game then you might see things start to shift a little bit. But the Rangers against the Orioles led for every inning except one. I mean, it was so lopsided. And last night, I mean, watching that game, did it ever seem like the Dodgers were going to win? Arizona again took an early lead and held on. Yeah, uh, I, I I picked all the upsets uh, in this round. You did? You're doing good. <laughs> yeah, so far. So, I mean, I guess the, the Astros were a favorite, but that was a tight one. Um, and, uh, and I remember I said I was most nervous about the D-backs. It was kind of hilarious that they, that they did a, a, a sweep, but I, I saw this stat that's kind of amazing. Um, so in basketball, the best team advances, this is to just to your point that you just made about the playoffs, that the best team in basketball advances in the playoffs 80% of the time. Uh, and let's say you thought that was a good example uh, of what it should should happen in the playoffs. And I, it's okay. Like there's still upsets, but you still get the better teams advancing. That makes that makes sense. It rewards the regular season, so on and so forth. Um, 
if you wanted the best team in baseball to advance 80% of the time in the playoffs, you would have to have a best of 75 series. Why? That's what the numbers say. What? In order, in order for the best Where team... Where did you get that? It's, it's, it's insane. But I do know, like, for example, that uh, we know how good a team is about 60 games into the season, right? Yeah. In terms of being predictive for sure. the rest of the season. So that makes sense. So in a best of 75, like, you're going to play 60 games. So then you're going to know who the better team is, right? <laughs> Let's play a best of 75. That'd be uh, torture. Unbelievable. Wake it's me so up bad. when it's over. Like uh, what if what if it's like it's it's like 30 to 5 and they haven't gotten to the yeah. 35 yet. You're just well, like, we still got a chance. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is like people get up in arms because of records and seeds, right? Okay. The Orioles were the one seed. They won 101 games. They had a great regular season. All of that is true. They were also the second fewest injured team in the big leagues. Texas was ransacked by injuries. They, when they were healthy, and also for the first part of the season, were a really good team. team. Yeah, Arizona, people now. forget yeah. what happened in Arizona. Oh, I don't know. They led the division early on. They're right. also a good team. Like when you get to the playoffs, none of these teams are Cinderella teams because, as you mentioned, they've already played 100 and 62 games. So they're already good. So what what separates the one seeds from the wildcard teams might seem like, oh, you know, I think the, Do the Dodgers have what, like 16 games more, 16 more wins. It was something like crazy. People were like, oh, this only happened a couple times. And it's like, yeah, well, okay. But you look at Arizona and they weren't a bad team by any means. Like the Dodgers had a ridiculous August. So like, okay, it, to me, we look at these upsets in kind of maybe a little bit of a different prism. You get to the playoffs. That's how baseball works. You get to the playoffs. And then you get you there pray. however you can. And then you play. That's how it's always yeah. been. And changing a format or eliminating some of those off days isn't going to change that much. The Orioles got completely bulldozed. Their offense, their pitching, the whole thing. It didn't matter when they played. It didn't matter if they had five days off or two days off, in my opinion. They didn't have any pitching behind Kyle Bradish. Their offense was completely, I mean, had and no also, answer. You know, there's also these weird things that happen at the end of the season that just that, that are just chaos. Like Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez, most innings they've ever thrown. You know, yes. they're, they're, they're like, obviously there's going to be some fatigue factor. They were pushing yes. into places they've never been. That's a young team that's going to happen to a young team. What happens to an old team? The Dodgers just lost half of their rotation and their, and their ace was throwing 89 and obviously still has an injured shoulder <laughs> to yeah. my, to my eye. Um, right. and, and so, you know, like, uh, you know, those are just, that's a temporal thing. If you'd played the playoffs in August, the, 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 the Dodgers would have been better. You know, if you played the sure. playoffs in in, if you played in them in April, maybe April, Arizona May, would have won. Then Orioles would have won, maybe. You know, yeah. so uh, you know that there there are these like temporal things. Um, I, I I'm also interested. Like, there's this like argument that layoffs really that the, the the long layoffs really hurt all the the the, the seeds. And I, I want to be clear, that's not why I picked the upsets. Um, uh, the 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 layoffs. Uh, so there's a whole piece on, in Fangraphs about this, and Ken Rosenthal has a good piece, and I think both of them are really good pieces because they're both different perspectives. Ben Clemens talks about the num the numbers, and so when when Ben wrote uh, about it, he said that playoff uh, a, a series where the 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 team has a uh, a longer layoff, the teams with more rest have gone 24 and 11 
uh, in those series. So that's those are hard numbers. Like the teams with more layoffs, the teams with more layoffs are also better teams, right? Because yeah. they're the, that's why they got the rest. Uh, but they're 24 and 11. And even if you add in the two losses in this uh, in this DS, they're 24 and 13. Like, I don't think that there's an overall problem here. And the reason no. why is and the, the, there's a lot of stuff in Ken's piece about, you know, getting cold. There's even stuff in in sort of uh, lifting research and bio research that says that, like, there are certain things that your body uh, adapts to that you lose in as much as three to five days. You can, like, if you're talking about a sprint speed, right? Like you don't, if you're a sprinter going to, uh, the, 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 the Olympics, you don't stop sprinting for two weeks before you sprint. Like that would be dumb. You like you sprint your very best, like three to five days before, you know, and you even do a little bit of running in between because you can lose that top end adaptation. The problem with this is, you can train that <laughs> like sprinters train that baseball players can turn the machine up to 105. You know, they can have someone throw live VP. There are things that, that baseball players can do to, to yeah. counteract that. You can train better. Uh, like it, it, you lose top end speed. Okay. Well, here's an off day. Uh, let's everybody hit top speed today. Everyone's doing sprints. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, there are things you can do to train it and there are benefits to layoff. Max Freed's blister gets better, you know, like there are things that you can that you can get healthier uh, uh, because you have the time off. Max Scherzer yeah. gets closer to to the playoffs right. the further you get in. So, you know, what I mean, like there's John Gray, there's, too. Yeah, there's yeah. errors, errors in different directions. So that's why it's hard for me to say, oh, I've seen this like you don't know ball. If you think the layoffs don't matter, you don't know ball. <sighs> Come on, dude. There's ball is complicated. There are different arrows in different directions. Rest. Yeah. Most players would say rest is good. Yeah, you can make the argument to me any way you want. The Rangers traveled seven thousand miles the last two weeks of the season. <laughs> that to me is a huge excuse for just laying an egg. They right. didn't. Yeah. So right, and then once they get up two zero, and once Arizona gets up two and zero, look at the numbers. The guy, it's like over eighty percent of the time those teams get swept. So at that point in time. These teams are just cooked, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter layoff or not layoff. Like you go down, you go down two, you're probably done in a best of five set. You don't have enough time to rebound. So I agree with you. I think it's easy to sit here and say, well, they need to change the format because my team was supposed to be better. Uh, listen, baseball has has been doing this. Like the extra game in the wild card. Yeah, maybe they can get rid of it. That wouldn't really bother me to go back to a one game playoff. But people complained when it was a one game playoff. That the better team wasn't always advancing. Of course, in this year, the better team swept, so they could have just had a one-game playoff. But, you know, you want the series, whatever you have the, the series, it's one extra day. The Orioles worked out every single day last week. They had fans come one day for free so that there was, like, some excitement and some energy going on. Yeah. I just think the Rangers played better. Like, th- this is just it. Play better. Like, you want to win about- in the playoffs? I don't care what seed you are. Play better pitch better the playoffs right. is a different beast and teams are learning that that haven't been in you know you look at the braves and you know yeah they're one of the best offenses that maybe we ever see this year during the regular season but they got some rotten pitching luck near the end of the year in terms of health yeah. and stuff and the orioles offense people are like oh my god like they got shut down they low-key last two weeks of the season you know weren't hitting at all so you know people don't look at the trends either because they just look at the overall big gaudy numbers of 101 wins and you know they were so good during the year Big but low key their offense good. had gone away 
Yeah, big samples are good for numbers, but also, like, what was your roster? Who's actually on the roster? You kind of have to look at the guys that were on the roster in September because those are the guys that are on the roster in October. So, you know, it's not always the same personnel even. So it's kind of hard to use, like, like use the overall numbers for the Dodgers, and they're overwhelming favorites, but there are a lot of players in those numbers that aren't on this roster, you know? So that's those guys are irrelevant, like, you know? yeah. Like, you know, why would you put the, why would you put them in there if they're not even on the roster? So, you know, one thing I do, uh, I wonder about is um, not necessarily layoffs in terms of between series, but days of rest, days off during the postseason. Do you think there should be fewer of them? One, the reason I think of this is that one of the reasons why Texas has been so, been able to be so good is, um, and I think they're doing very much the Nationals uh, 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 sort of game plan in terms of, you know, we have seven pitchers we trust and that's it. Yeah. Um, but the reason that works a little bit more is the more off days you have, you can pitch Jose Leclerc in every game in which you're winning um, yeah. if you've got an off day, you know. So there's a lot there's a lot more of like, hey, three or four guys in the bullpen might be enough because we have off days. I don't know. Yeah, well, but that gets different now that you go to seven because you have the off day is every time you travel from city to city. They can't right. eliminate those because I think they tried a year or two ago and it was just madness because you right. don't know what cities are going to be in it. Me- like, yeah, media, travel. Yeah. Well, just the, the travel factor. Like, what if, you know, you're going across the country? What, what if, if you're the going. game goes late. Yeah. Three, four hours away. What if there's a rain delay and then they're supposed to play the next day in this other city? Like, you need yeah. that day baked in when you're changing cities. But the way the CSs are set up, you get three games and you get two games in a row travel day. Then you get three in a row. So that to me is a tough stretch to cover if you only are using four pitchers, right? You can right. get away with that in the best of five because it's you know the way it's set up two two one with those travel days baked in. But in the LCS, I think is where it gets hairy, and that's where the Rangers having this time more back to back game days. Maybe getting yeah. yeah, maybe getting Gray and Scherzer. It sounds like Scherzer wants to start, but Gray's maybe a bullpen option for them. Uh, so that's but when that and makes listen, them a lot better than Bruce they've been. <laughs> I'm also putting Evaldi and Montgomery in the bullpen on their throw days. Like I'm doing, like you said, what the Nats did in 2019 to win it all. Um, and I'm using those guys because I trust them more than anybody else. But I think it's a little or Leclerc is going to pitch in every game. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, look, there's always been gamesmanship in the playoffs. You can bring guys on short rest. You know, you can use your off days to your advantage. Right. You also need them because, I mean, there's been rainouts in the World Series. They, there's been snowouts. I've covered World Series <laughs> where there's been snowouts. So you can't just take away those off days because it just becomes a logistical nightmare. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. 
Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. And then, you know, I, I, I do want to review like these different uh, teams that, you know, what, what finish, but I, because of this like level of chaos, like uh, I think sometimes we, tr- we, we always want to make sense of things. And so we want to like learn from what happened, but do you think that there's anything in the twins loss uh, the Dodgers loss, um, or uh, what? Or the Orioles loss, that is like really fundamental to their their team building. Like I've seen some really oh. reactionary takes, like we got to trade Mookie Betts, like you know, that's incredible. Uh, or uh, anal- analytics doesn't work in the postseason. All this stuff, and I, I don't know, man. Like these are all very well, good teams. Is there is there anything in these three teams where you like? We learned something about the Dodgers, the Orioles, um, and why and the Twins that that they need to change next year uh, about their team. No, but I do want to push back a little on the analytics doesn't work in the postseason because we talked about this. I don't think you can say analytics doesn't work in the postseason, but I do think. And I had this conversation with someone on the coaching staff um, down in with the in the DS is. The problem with the analytics in the postseason is you can't look at it as the only answer because you have such a wide sample size during the regular season that if you pitch a guy here and here, you know, percentage says it's going to work out in your favor. However, and it's it's okay pitch, to win eleven out of thirty three or yes, you know, eleven out of out of yes. eleven out of eighteen, but it's not okay if like you lose those seven okay. in the postseason. Right? And there has to be a, there has to be a little more feel because you know your guys and Bruce Bochy did a great job of this in Game One of the ALDS. He sticks with Dane Dunning. The matchups were not good. They should have probably taken him out, but he's like, this guy looks to be on a roll. He is locked in. He is efficient. We're sticking with him and it worked. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there has to be, you know, teams have to realize that there has to be a little more give and take in these strategy meetings. We saw obviously with the blue Jays, like that whole thing kind of blow up and all the finger pointing there, there has to be in my mind, 
when you get to the playoffs, um, kind of throw out the managing like the regular season. The games now are managed differently in the playoffs. Guys are so much more locked in. Cedric Mullen said this after the game, that what he learned the most about the playoffs was that the details matter so much more than during the regular season. Every single pitch is important. Every single 90 feet you can take is important. Like everything matters. Isn't that an argument for analytics then to like just get the most out of every single situation? It, it is. And, and and you need that information and that information can give you an edge. But right. I think if you're relying just on that information and not on the fact that like, here's a great example. Uh, you know, they started Dean Kramer instead of Kyle Gibson because he had better numbers, the Orioles. Uh, mm. Okay. But Dean Kramer is dealing with, he's half Israeli. He's a dual citizen. He's dealing with everything going on over there. One, two, mm -hmm. this is his first postseason. Shouldn't those factors, instead of Kyle Gibson, Kyle Gibson came in and relief was terrific. It's mm -hmm. easy for me now to, you know, Monday morning quarterback and say, maybe they should have flipped him. But I think you have to, you can't just put stuff in a model this time of year and say, well, this is what the model says, because it's easy to defend. You have to take into account the fact that a lot of these guys, and I think you saw it uh, in the Dodgers too, with uh, who's that rookie they just had pitch? Um, Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller, yes. The name was escaping me. He had that like deer in headlights look. So did Grayson Rodriguez. You have to factor this stuff in a little bit, I think. And that doesn't show up in the NFL. But, you know, to some extent, you know, both teams were backed into a corner and had to start those guys. Sure. But, sure. but maybe it's an argument for an opener, you know, like an older guy, you know, somebody who just comes out there and absorbs, you know, that first hit, you know, maybe right, he gives up crowd. a run in one inning and, you know, you just come out there and be like, all right, we're down. But, you know, the game has started and I'm in here and now just let's go, you know. Right. So I just I think there's something to be said for that. I don't think fundamentally any of those losses mean much. My one question, though, is how in five, 10 years are we going to look at this Dodgers team like this? This like last five six make years the of the Dodgers every year, and, and Dave only Roberts win is in the, the winningest. Year. He's the yeah, and Dave Roberts is the winningest by winning percentage, the winningest manager in the history of baseball, and people want to fire him right now. <laughs> right. So how like to me the bigger question is, you know, how do we look at? I don't. I think the Twins executed their game plan. They were just beat. I mean, watching that game last night, they they were just missing like one hit. Really, they lose three to two. They pitched terrifically. Uh, you know, they, they, they did what you wanted them to do. It just, Houston was a better team at, at that time is kind of how I felt about that series with the Dodgers. I look at them and say like, how are we going to view them? Right. How are we going to view them? They can't well, be a dynasty if they've only won, won one ring in a shortened season. What one asterisk about the twins real quick is just that they, they struck out more than anybody else in the playoffs. And I think we saw a lot of that. It was, you know, more third of the time there was some of that coming into the postseason I was worried about. It's just interesting they traded away a rise. Of course, I love Pablo Lopez, and he's part of why they were so good. So yes. I just wonder if there's any way, if I was you know, running the Twins, I would wonder if there's any way that I could replace Joey Gallo, uh, that that spot on the roster with someone who makes a lot of contact. And they tried to do it a little bit with Donovan Solano. I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't think about that at all, but just a little bit more contact to kind of uh, have a, a more diversity in that lineup. There's a lot of like, I'm going to hit a jack right now. 
uh, yeah. in that lineup, you know? So just a little bit more contact. That might might be a little thing I'd take away from that one. The Dodgers one, I also think that there, uh, there might be another act uh, to this team. Uh, if you just look at spending and what happened last year, there could be a sort of uh, a reloading aspect where, uh, you know, maybe this is the year they don't give Kershaw, you know, $20, $30 million. Uh, you know, maybe this is the year that they do sign like a Shohei Otani, you know? Maybe this is the year where they kind of go back out and spend again on the open market and try to add that next layer of stars to ones they've got. It did feel a little bit like Mookie and Freddie and, you know, pray for rain kind of deal. So, you know, adding some stars to that, maybe they don't, uh, you know, there's some decisions they can make in the off season where they could add and get back in there, maybe even with a little bit more star studded uh, team uh, than they had this year. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, a, <laughs> I was raised in Atlanta. Uh, and so it's it, the Dodgers is a dynasty to me. <laughs> I mean, it's but like one how title and makes the dynasty? playoffs every year, you know? Yeah. It like would be it, better it, if there's another the title. <laughs> it, no, it, it begs the it question, does. like, would you rather have your team make the playoffs every year and be a good regular season team like the Dodgers? Or they win a ring and then they're terrible on years that they don't win, like the Red Sox. I mean, the, the Giants were a little bit like ring. that. The Giants yeah. were a little bit like that, where the, the, they won the three years, two of them were wild cards, and the yeah. other two years in between, they weren't that good. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? How do you, even if they get a star-studded roster, the Dodgers, like you said, they've had star-studded rosters in the past that haven't that haven't won in the playoffs. Like, is it getting but if the, to the Dodgers had won like one more time. Head? If the Dodgers had won one more time, they'd be the Astros. And in the they Astros, one title was during the sixty-game season. Uh, that was a that wasn't an easy year. <laughs> I don't know why people think that's a lot easier. I don't know. I don't think it's easier, but it's still like it was still an odd year. So okay. maybe if but, they had one but more time. I think what was odd about the Astros, that year, really? For, for me, what was odd about 2020 was a team like the Marlins could get in because you only played 60 yeah. games so that if you just got your best 60 games, maybe you can get in, right? So that's what was weird for me. So it's not weird that the Dodgers are in the postseason because they've been in the postseason every year since. And didn't they expand the playoffs that year uh, in 2020? So yeah. yeah, they expanded the playoffs that year. So in fact, the playoffs in 2020 were harder than other years, unless you think that the the fans are the reason why the Dodgers haven't won in other years because there weren't. No, fans. I don't. But I'm going to push back on the Houston analogy because they're not in Houston's league in the playoffs. Houston has gone to seven straight ALSs, ALCSs. Know, yeah. Okay, now the Dodgers last year get eliminated earlier. by the Padres. Don't go to the NLCS. This year swept. Don't go to the NLCS. 2019 they lose to the Nats. Don't go to the NLCS. Like, mm-hmm. is it a badge of honor if you keep losing in the division series when you're winning the division? So it's not like you're constantly winning the wild card round. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, guess I, I think don't put them at it's, all. There's a in difference. There's a difference. Astros. Astros are a dynasty. Yeah. I mean, they have two. I mean, they have a. T- they have a tainted win. They have a tainted win, but they they keep going. You know, they have an they keep untainted getting win, to the World Series at least. If the Dodgers were getting there and losing, well, we'd call them the yeah. Texas Rangers. But you know, like if they <laughs> seriously, and in though, fact, the, the Braves far. the Braves were in a different playoff system back in those days, and uh, they made it to a bunch of CSs, and you know, like you know, they made it to World Series that they lost. So like you know, the Braves and Dodgers don't don't like uh, those those like sort of eighty six to ninety four Braves. They don't they don't like line up exactly with the Dodgers either. 
Yeah. It is it know. is kind of its own thing where they seem optimized to to win. And it's it's interesting because locally here in San Francisco, we've got a former Dodgers uh, you know, a GM and you know, a former Dodgers person in the DM here with Farhan Zaidi and people are mad that you know, it seems to be focused on, you know, you know, what we can do to win, you know, 60, 54% of our games, like Jerry DePoto oh, said, yeah. you know, so it's, it seems very, very focused on like winning in the regular season and just getting to the playoffs. And then, um, yeah, so, uh, I, okay. I, again, uh, as King of Waffles and director of nuance, um, I won't, uh, I won't put the dynasty official dynasty title on the, uh, Dodgers, but I also, uh, won't be like tearing my hair out and being like, what's wrong with the Dodgers? I mean, like they're a really good team. They win a lot of games. They win more games than anybody else in baseball over like the last 10 years. So yeah. I, I'm not crying for them. Like, could they, no. could they like, you know, have like one more star on the Pete's? Could they spend like a little bit more, you know, could they get that one added piece? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to go this whole podcast and not talk about Arizona, who I think if you don't have a team in it right now and you're looking for someone to bandwagon, I would bandwagon them because they're a great story, you know? Um, And I love how Zach Gallen after the game, um, after they clinched, said, you know, people were talking about how this was going to be a home game for the Dodgers, you know, the games in Arizona. And he goes, that's our pool. And then they all jump in that pool. (laughs) Oh. But this team is kind of like you said, it's similar to Texas in that they can kind of piece things together in a shorter series, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they have they have two arms they feel really good about. Um, I think when you look at this team, what surprises you the most about? I mean, they're very to me, they are very similar to Texas. They're playing with momentum, they don't have any pressure on them at all, and it looks very much like it. Um, and I don't think people really appreciated how good Gallon was until you get him in these like bigger games bigger spots even though this guy started the all-star game this year did he not i think he's gonna Um, be the like the cy young runner-up i mean yeah he's like but at all-star media day like nobody there was like nobody talking to him i'm like do people not realize how good he is yeah i mean the the yeah the market is tough um you know i I think what surprised me the most uh about uh the the diamondbacks is that they have the lowest era uh bullpen era of any team that's still in it um and the lowest uh of any team not named toronto so a 177 bullpen era is not what i would have expected out of arizona i thought it was a bad bullpen frankly um, and I do wonder if it's still kind of uh, a, a sore point for them. So far, uh, most of the innings have gone to Seawald, uh, Joe Mantiply, uh, Ryan Thompson, and Kevin Ginkle. Uh, you've got basically three or four innings that have gone to other people. Can that continue? You know, can you get it yeah. done with just four relievers in a seven-game series? Like you said, with fewer off days, more back-to-backs. Uh, can you just pitch Seawald every game where you've got a lead, uh, or even where it's tight? Um, uh, you know, can you, do you have to sometimes keep Seawald in your pocket in, uh, the eighth inning of a game where you're down by one or two runs, you know, um, you know, can you pitch him in that situation in the CS when this is all you've got? Um, how much do you trust Andrew Salfrank, who is a rookie who's had good numbers all year? He does have really weird stuff and that really great sink from a from a high arm slot, but he throws 91, 92, and it's kind of untested. Like, how much are you gonna you're gonna t- you're gonna trust him? Miguel Castro has lost the plate in the postseason. How much are you gonna trust him? Those are the names that may end up coming up in the fifth or sixth of a playoff yeah. game. 
uh, because you, you that's the soft underbelly is the fifth and the sixth. So I love this Arizona team. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece about Corbin Carroll being a, a kind of a quiet leader. Uh, this postseason, he's got the fifth best uh, uh, WRC plus. I just want to read Jordan Alvarez's line here real quick because it's oh insane my God. bonkers. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is hitting 438 with a 471 OBP and a 1,300 slugging percentage this postseason. Uh, he is batting 375 times better than league average. <laughs> how do you do? You, how do you pitch to him? In what scenario do you pitch to that guy? He has oppo power. He has pull power. Like, he has contact ability. Every single time, throw yeah. it up. Take and, your and base. Corey Seager has a 44% walk rate and an 8% strikeout rate uh, and is right behind him with a 429 <laughs> average. So yeah. uh, Evan Carter's going nuts. Uh, and then Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll, who has a 26% rock, walk rate, a 412 average, a 565 OBP, uh, and an 824 slugging. So Corbin Carroll coming out party, just a really great player. One of the things I love about him, if you're going to start watching the D-backs now, is that he's a kind of a smallish guy, um, and uh, he's just really whippy. He's very fast. Uh, he whips the bat around. He told me he uses a lighter bat in order to get more bat speed. Um, and so he's just this... Uh, kind of guy who has like surprising sneaky pop uh as as uh i think mark de rosa used to say um and um just a real interesting player that uh is pretty obviously i think your eyes gravitate towards him you're like this is a, a star this is a guy who is yeah. trying his hardest he's high level it's a little bit like harper where he's like he wants to be here in this moment to show you how good he is uh, he he lost a uh, uh, a race with a, a reliever on the on Diamondbacks, and he won't talk about it. He like he'll get Incredible. mad if you bring it up. So he's Incredible. the kind of guy that like needs to win every single opportunity. Tiddlywinks, you know, cards in the clubhouse, whatever it is. So uh, very very enjoyable to watch. And yeah, the Diamondbacks shouldn't get slighted. They they uh, just swept the Dodgers, and they look really great right now. Yeah, I want to make sure we got them in because I know if you're a Diamondbacks fan and you're like, this is our time. Yeah. If you're listening to our podcast and you're like, really? We're going to just talk about the Dodgers the whole time? Like, yeah. that would be annoying. So we are totally on the Arizona bandwagon. Uh, I am pulling for them. I think they're a terrific story, and that's what you root for this time of the year. So uh, let us know who you're pulling for. If you don't have a team that's in it, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Britt underscore Giroli. He's at Eno Saris. Um, we have to go. But I can't wait until next week to see where we're at with all these playoff games. I love this time of year. You can read all of our coverage on The Athletic. Uh, you can all read all of Eno's super smart stuff. You can read some of my coverage live. I will be at the ALCS starting this weekend. Uh, the battle of the Lone Star State. We're going we're gonna to see what's going to happen there in Texas. It should be really fun. So thanks for listening. We will see you next week here on The 3 Up Show. Always got the green light here. Green light.